Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. again to RUF. It's so good. Uh, I, I'm so glad you guys are here. Thank you for coming. I know there's a lot of things on your mind, a lot more, and a lot of other places you could be. So I'm really grateful to have you here with me, with us. And um, RUF, we say a lot, is a community. And what we mean by that is that uh, RUF is a place where you can be known and you can come to know others and walk through life, not alone, but together, uh, not bearing your burdens alone, but having others around you. And so we hope that that is the case for you. And uh, RUF is a Christian community, which means we look to Jesus. We look to the Bible uh, to guide us, to give us truth, to give us life. And uh, because it's a Christian community, because Jesus welcomed all who came, we welcome all who come. So it's our hope uh, that uh, some who come would be asking questions about Jesus and exploring, you know, what does Jesus have to offer? What does he have to, what are his claims and are they valid? Are they true? Can I rest my hope on them? And it's our hope that others who are already believers would come and be equipped to serve and uh, that would, you'd be able to rest here, that you'd be able to grow here. So uh, no matter who you are and where you come from, uh, you are welcome here. And we are going through the Gospel of Mark uh, this semester in this series called Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything. And what we've seen so far as we've, we've just kind of been going piece by piece through Mark is that Jesus uh, has come on the scene and started drawing some crowds. And he's also faced uh, Pretty intense opposition already. Uh, people, religious leaders that have, are upset that, he, for instance, he eats with sinners or uh, that he heals on the Sabbath. And against that backdrop, Jesus, and the passage we're going to look at tonight is a parable. Now, what is a parable? A parable is a story that's placed alongside something for clarification. So when Jesus uh, tells a par- parables in the Bible, and he, there's like 60 parables in the Gospels, uh, he's always looking around him at the situation he's in, and then he's uh, telling a parable. And uh, this uh, parable is often called the parable of the sower. Uh, so against that backdrop of all these different people uh, gathering to him and some opposing him, he tells this parable. Uh, let me read it for us. Mark chapter 4. Uh, Again, he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables and in his teaching, he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced good grain, and produced grain growing up, increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. 
And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, when they hear Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Uh, let's pray again. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we now come to your word, uh, send us your spirit to guide us and uh, help us to make sense of it and uh, help us to hear what you have uh, for us tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. There is a famous author, particularly short story author, from the United States named Flannery O'Connor. And she has written, like, tons of short stories. All these really, like, kind of funky and cool and powerful short stories. And uh, they're really good. You you could check them out. And uh, one time someone asked Flannery O'Connor about one of her short stories. And these stories that kind of, like, pack a punch. And he's... This reporter, or whoever was interviewing her, said, you know, could you sum up that story in a nutshell? And she said, if I could sum it up in a nutshell, I wouldn't have written the story. And that's essentially why, that's part of why Jesus tells parables. Uh, Parables have layers, like they they kind of punch you. Uh, As you examine them, you're like, whoa, this is, you know, you can't just it in a nutshell. And so Jesus makes use of these parables that uh, are simple stories, but they have power. And he also uses these because it's a way, like he has enemies now, and it's a way of uh, avoiding accusations and avoiding attacks from enemies because he can say, all I'm doing is telling stories. And another reason he tells parables is because parables separate people. In verses 11 and 12, Jesus actually talks about that, how uh, parable, the way we react to parables is a good way to reveal our standing with God. Uh, Some who are true followers of God gain insight and they gain knowledge into what God's kingdom is like. And there's others who don't see it. They say, what's, they don't get the story and it separates them. And uh, so that's, Jesus tells parables for all these reasons and Uh, He's got this crowd around him. Some of them love him. Some of them hate him. And some are looking for a spectacle. And the question on everyone's mind is, how can you be who you say you are if you get all these different reactions? Like, why doesn't everyone love... If you say you're God and you've come, like, why doesn't everyone love you then? 
How can you do all these signs and still be accused by so many people and hated by so many people? And I think it's a question that we wrestle with today too, right? If Jesus is who he says he is, why all that oppo- why are there so many that oppose him? Uh, why, when we look around, do most people seem not to care? Uh, can this, in other words, all be real if Jesus, the reaction to Jesus seems often small, if it seems often insignificant? And so in, uh, to that question, Jesus uh, tells this parable, and it's about a sower, one who sows seed, throws it out there into the ground, and there's different types of soils. Uh, there's the path, and there's the rocky soil, uh, the path of seeds get snatched up right away, and the rocky soil, uh, the seeds grow a little bit, but there's not much room for roots, and so uh, they don't make it. And the thorny soil, it's the thorns that kind of choke out uh, the growth, and, and then there's seed that's put on good soil, and it grows. It says really, it grows really well, 30, 60, 100 fold. And the parable has three layers that I want us to look at tonight that teach us three things in particular about following Jesus, uh, to be what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. And the first thing I want us to think about is that to be a true follower, the word's got to go deep. The gospel must go deep. And, you know, the most obvious question when you read this parable would be, which soil am I, right? Like, aren't we meant to say, which soil Am I? This is the most obvious part of the parable, right? He describes four soils. We talked about how one, you know, the path is people who just, the God's word, God's truth just kind of rolls off of them. Uh, the rocky soil, uh, God's word, the gospel sounds good at first, but uh, once trouble sets in, once it becomes difficult, uh, it's gone. Uh, the thorny soil is uh, soil people where the, go- the gospel is great. Uh, we embrace the gospel, but then it's hard to stick with it if it means changing our lifestyle, if it means uh, casting aside other things that we love. Uh, but in the good soil, the gospel goes deep. The gospel, if you're going to be a true follower of Jesus, the gospel needs to go deep. It needs to strike you at your core. Now, how will the gospel go deep in your life? How will you grow? Uh, well, it has to be worked in deep. There's uh, one of the chronicles of Narnia, the voyage of the dawn treader. It's one of my favorite uh, kids books, except it's not really a kids book because it's so valuable to everyone, uh, is the story of this journey on this ship. And it's in a fantasy land. And and these kids uh, from our world are transported into this other world where they go on this journey. And unfortunately, their obnoxious cousin Eustace comes along on this in this uh, volume of the Chronicles of Narnia. And so Eustace, this boy, everyone hates this boy, and this boy hates everyone. And he makes his way in, onto this journey, and, and when they're on this island, he wanders off and he finds treasure. And he's overcome by greed. You know, he's the worst. And he's overcome by greed, and he actually falls asleep on this pile of treasure. And when he wakes up, he realizes that he has become a dragon. And he's overcome with despair as he tries to, he, he realizes that no one knows who he is anymore because he's this dragon. And then Aslan, the lion, shows up who represents Jesus in these, in these stories. And Aslan leads him to a pool that's clear and he says, you need to undress now. 
And Eustace, the dragon now, starts clawing away at his like scales. And he gets a layer off, and there's just another layer of scales underneath. And he does this again and again, where he's just clawing at himself. And one layer of scales just reveals another layer of scales. And finally, Aslan says, you're going to have to let me go deeper. And this is, listen to what Eustace says as he re, re, uh, recalls this uh, event. He says, I was afraid of his claws, I can tell you, but I was pretty nearly desperate now. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone straight right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. Well, he peeled the beastly stuff right off, just as I thought I'd, been, I'd done it myself the other three times, only they hadn't hurt. And there it was, lying on the grass, only uh, ever so much thicker and darker and more knobbly looking than the others had been. Then he caught hold of me and threw me into the water. It smarted like anything, but only for a moment. And then I saw I had been turned into a boy again. You see what's going on with Eustace. He keeps trying to fix himself, but the only way he'll ever get fixed is if Aslan, the lion, peels him back to his core. In other words, if the word, the truth about Jesus and his kingdom goes deep. And that's exactly what we're like. Uh, The way we try to improve our situation is we come up with simple solutions uh, to try to fix ourselves, right? I'll just power through now, I'll get through this challenge, and then my life will be on track and I'll be set. I'll just try really hard to, like, there's this, I know I do these things that are bad and they're destructive, but uh, I'm going to try really hard to stop, and once I stop that, I'll be in the clear. And Jesus' message here is that there isn't a simple solution because we have a big problem. Uh, His message is that we're profoundly broken. We're people that God made that run from him because we're scared of him, even though he made us in love. And so instead, we'll only be fixed the more and more that the truth about God, the gospel, his love for us gets implanted into our hearts and it has to go deep. Uh, that, this is a word that says, yeah, you are really, like, you're truly broken, but that's why I'm here. That's, I love you. I'm going to fix you. And the more and more that gets, that truth goes deep into your heart, the more and more you'll become the person you were meant to be. Uh, for the gospel to go deep, you're going to have to, one of the implications is you're going to have to stop living like a duck. Do you know how ducks live? Ever seen a duck in a pond? Uh, Some of you have heard me talk about this before. We all, uh, I think, tend to live like ducks, which is, you know, if you look at a duck swimming in a pond, it looks amazing, right? Just gliding along the surface of the pond. If, If you're looking at it from above, right? No problems in the world, just gliding. But if you were to look at a duck from underneath, what you would see that you don't see from above is feet going like this, like nothing is okay, nothing is okay, I'm not fine. Even though on the surface it looks like, you know, it's just like gliding along. Uh, You know, my below, like while my above the water persona wants you all to think I'm fine, what's in here, what's inside me, my below water persona says nothing is fine, nothing is fine, I'm freaking out. 
And the gospel actually invites us to stop that. To stop living like ducks. To change those personas. And it requires us to face actual broken stuff within us. And to say, yeah, this is a messed up part of me. This is a broken part of me. Um, I have little kids, uh, five and two. And so we're in the stage of life where like, there's scrapes on knees and elbows like all the time. And so we get the neosporin out frequently and band-aids and that kind of thing. And so that's our life. And one of the things, you know, if you think about neosporin, antibacterial cream or whatever, um, it only works if it goes on the wound. And it really does any, it only does anything if it goes into the wound, right? It only works on open wounds. Uh, unfortunately, like if you have a scrape on your knee, like rubbing neosporin on your arm won't do anything for you. Uh, it's got, it only works if it goes into you. And the gospel is the same way. It has to go onto the wounds. Uh, It requires you to face, like, what are the wounds? What is the broken thing in me? Instead of pretending, like, no, that's not there. Uh, For You know, Jesus has good news if you're lonely. If you are lonely, the gospel is the best news because it tells you you're not alone. But if you refuse to admit that you're alone... The gospel has, will not help you. Uh, the gospel is good news for those that struggle with anxiety. Uh, really good news about God being in control of your life. But it's not good news for those of us that refuse to admit that we're prideful and controlling and it makes us anxious. Uh, the gospel is good news for those of us that have sorrow and sadness. The gospel is good news for those of us that feel hopeless but it requires, like, the gospel needs to go deep. It needs to, it begins with us saying, yeah, you know, I am really sad. I feel hopeless. Okay, so the gospel has to go deep. But the second thing about following Jesus is that true followers accept that God works like a seed in the world. Um, You know, how can this Jesus thing possibly work? How can this good news about God coming to earth and saving us and fixing us change us and change our world. And Jesus says, it, well, it happens like a seed. Uh, anybody into gardening or flowers or anything like that? I am, in, I am a couple of gardeners. Good. Uh, I am into gardening, and I have a small garden, and it's really fun. And every year, every spring, I plant some stuff. So we got, like, tomatoes and peppers going, and strawberries going right now, and it's really fun to go check and the thing about it is like you start out with seeds and it seems like nothing is happening and if you were to check it every day it would be like nothing is happening nothing is happening nothing is happening but you know when we went out of town for three weeks this summer and came back it was like a night and day difference in the garden it was just like whoa we got tomatoes you know and um like some of the seeds like were from last year and they popped up like like old tomatoes had like rotted in the garden and the seeds from inside had been planted somehow and they grew up and we have all these tomatoes and like my garden is so overgrown and it all started with these weak little seeds that you wouldn't even notice. It's amazing. Like if you think about it, it's amazing what can grow from a seed and it's this hidden power. And God says, that's how I work in the world. Uh, that's how God establishes his rule here. Like God is the king of this world, and he, but it's a kingdom, kingdom that works like a seed, so you might not notice it. 
And in response, we can either say, no, I, I refuse to believe in that God, that he could be at work in this messed up world because I don't see anything happening. Or we can say, maybe that's what makes it so amazing. Is that it's subtle like that. Uh, it's subtle yet powerful. You know, think of an acorn, right? My kids are into acorns right now because it's like amazing that something this big can turn into an oak tree. And not just that, but like oak trees produce more acorns. So something this big really has the power to cover the whole planet in oak trees. And it's just this subtle power. Uh, a while ago, I was talking to a friend of mine who was struggling with uh, continuously looking at pornography and not wanting that to be the case. But that was just, you know, he was like, I don't. And he was really, he just vented to me. And he was like, I don't. I'm sick of this. Like, this never changes. I don't want to be doing this, but I find myself doing it. And, uh, and what we talked about was that uh, God works like a seed. You know, he was like, you know, I'm trusting God, but it doesn't work. And, and we talked about how the way God works is like a seed where, you know, if your approach to change is this time is the last time. Um, I'm turning a new leaf today. Uh, anything less is, you know, backtracking. Uh, you'll never actually change in a lasting way. That's self-motivated only change. It's, it's relying on myself. And uh, lasting change doesn't typically happen like that. Uh, and Jesus' approach, though, is totally different. Jesus gives us the gospel. Uh, he shows us that he loves us at our worst. He says, it's not okay that you keep looking at that stuff. But I still love you at your worst. Come and follow me now. And so to change, we need to keep hearing that. Like the reason we go like look at the Bible and RUF every week and we rehearse this gospel every week in RUF is because it needs to go deep. Uh, it needs to just like keep continually, we need to keep digesting it. You know, the, the good news is that Jesus loves you today, even after you did what you did last week or yesterday or last month. And if you're regularly saturating yourself in this news of God's love in spite of our sin, what may happen is that a few years may go by and you'll look back and say, you know what? I am actually like less tempted in that area than I was a few years ago. Or, you know, I am a little more compassionate toward people than I was back then. And the only explanation will be that the gospel grew in you, that the gospel went deep and began to transform you. Uh, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to be okay with not seeing results. And that's, this is what we want RUF to be. We want it to be a place where people can be in process and know that Jesus isn't ashamed of me because I haven't arrived yet. I'm a person in process. I don't see all the results today, but I'm confident of God's love right now. Do you see how much better that is than like simple religion that just says, get your act together and then God will approve of you? What makes God's work in our world so powerful and amazing is it's so subtle. And we see the subtlety in Jesus himself. Uh, and that's our, our final point tonight is the true followers, uh, the word goes deep and we uh, understand that God works like a seed. But uh, true followers finally cherish 
Jesus. And let me just tell you some things that make Jesus worth cherishing. Uh, Look at at Jesus in this story. He's telling a story about sowing seed. And the story is the seed. Like, right, he's doing, and what, like, it's just amazing. Like, there's so many layers to this. Uh, He's sowing seed among his crowd while he tells the story of sowing seed. He's working it into the hearts of those that are receptive to him. Uh, And he's like the sower. Uh, He's doing something that no one really notices. But what he's doing has the power to unleash glory. Uh, When Jesus uh, sows the word, it has the power to change you drastically if it goes deep. Uh, But Jesus is also like the seed. Think about how Jesus is like a seed. Uh, Seeds are small and not noticeable. You could mistake a seed for a speck of dirt easily. Look at Jesus' life. Uh, Jesus was born in a barn to poor parents and laid in a feeding trough for donkeys. Uh, He lived most of his life in lonely obscurity. Uh, We actually know barely anything about the first 30 years of his life. And when people did begin to notice him, many of them hated him. And he was eventually killed by his own people. But out of that life sprang the greatest thing that has ever happened to the world. Uh, Because Jesus lived and died in Israel 2,000 years ago, there are people in Connecticut tonight that know him, that know the eternal God. Like, you have to take that seriously if you're evaluating Jesus. How could something that happened there and then change the world here if it wasn't real? Now, we can respond in two ways to Jesus. We can, we, we could refuse to believe that a man who claimed to be God and lived 2,000 years ago and was crucified, and we can say, that has, that's not reality. It has nothing to do with my life today. Or the only other rational response is to cherish him and say, that's the source of power. Like, that's the source of power that can change me eternally. I'll build my life around that seed. Nothing is as important as that seed. Everything that I think is important is actually far less important than that seed. And here's the crazy part. Where do we see the seed today? Where is the seed today? It's in this book. This is the seed. Same thing, right? No one pays attention to it. It seems insignificant. It's just a book. Like, wouldn't we rather hear God just like audibly booming in our ears, telling us what is true and what to believe and how to live? Like, wouldn't that be great? It might, but we might like forget it. We might think we had imagined it. And instead, this small, insignificant-seeming book from thousands of years ago is the power. It's subtle. You know, you could read it and not get much out of it sometimes. Most people ignore it, but like Jesus, that's actually the secret of its power. Uh, This is why we look to it all the time in RUF, uh, because... We want Jesus to be worked further and further into us. It's the story of Jesus. 
And the story of Jesus is about making us who we were meant to be. Uh, will you build your life around this sea? Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are uh, prone to live for many other things, and we are uh, tempted uh, by many other things, and uh, following you uh, is so challenging, and uh, we waver in it constantly, and so we pray for your grace to uh, help us to uh, embrace the gospel truly. We pray, I pray for every one of us in this room that the gospel would go deep, that it would change us at our core, and that there would be fruit. Uh, we pray that uh, you'd be glorified to uh, do amazing things with this group, because not because we're special or uh, because we're awesome, but uh, because the gospel has gone deep. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.